Hi, and welcome to Sister Codes, a podcast hosted by Kaylee and Ashley. We're sisters who talk about their journey in tech. We're excited to share our experiences working in technology in two different countries and get real with what it's really like being a minority in one of the fastest growing industries in the world. Today, we'll be talking about the life of an influencer. For those of you joining us back here, thank you so much for your support. And for those who are just tuning in, welcome. We are so excited to share this episode of Sister Codes today. Today we're talking about being an influencer. (laughs) I know that that is a very mysterious term. We see it a lot applied to people with like millions of followers who then go off and like create their own brands and it's very glamorous and secretive and fake, I think is another word that I definitely see associated with the term influencer a lot. Yeah. Um, But both of us are like, by definition, tech influencers. Yes. We have a very active social media presence. We do a lot of blogging. I spend a lot of my time, you know, promoting some of my content online. And I've even done some paid promotion, promotional posts through Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely meet the term of influencer, Mm -hmm. but we wanted to kind of remove some of the mystery around that term, just kind of explain what it is that we do, and then also talk about some of the challenges and some of the things that we learned that weren't obvious to us when we first got started. Yeah, absolutely. So just for a little bit of introduction, Kaylee and I are both on Instagram, and I have a smaller following than you do. I have about 1,100 followers, and Kaylee has about 2,200, almost 2,300, I think. So (laughs) yeah, in like the IG community, we are still quite small, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that you are an influencer because you have, you know, quite a, it's still quite a large following, I would say. 2,000 people. Well, I also, I wanted to go back to the term of influencer Mm -hmm. because an influencer just means you have influence. Yeah. And I think you can have 10 followers and still have an influence. influence. Yeah, that's very true. So I think that like, Obviously, a lot of these social media networks were created originally just to share photos with your friends. Mm-hmm. So it's like you only follow pe- close pe- close friends on Instagram or on Facebook and you share your photos there and it'll be things like your Thanksgiving dinner or your pet or mm-hmm. whatever it ends up being. But then now we've kind of moved beyond that where a lot of people follow some kind of celebrity or people that they just deem as inspirational because you want to see that kind of content on your feed, right? It kind of mixes things up. Mm -hmm. You also want to see what your best friend's doing over spring break, but then you also kind of want to see things that are, whether it's motivational quotes or a personal anecdote that you relate to from a figure that you, you know, look up to as a role model. Mm -hmm. I think that the social networks have really expanded in what they are used for now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, Anyone can be an influencer, but what we think of as, like, hundreds of thousands of followers and, you know, photo shoots and glamorous paid-for vacations, it, that it's that's just a really narrow definition for an mm-hmm. influencer. Agreed. And I also think we should talk about how long it took us to get oh to gosh, yes. this point. So when did you start your blog and Instagram? Yeah. So I've been working full-time now. I guess a little intro about myself, a little Mm -hmm. bio. Um, So I'm a full-time software engineer working for a finance company in New York. I graduated from college in May of 2018. And one of the first things that I did is I negotiated a later start date because I actually graduated college in three years instead of four. Um, I graduated from a public university and having tons of AP credits allowed me to make basically make up for an entire year of college. 
um, that combined with a couple of summer courses and then overloading some of my semester courses. Mm -hmm. So I, when I graduated in May, had about eight months off ahead of me. And I just wanted to do like everything I'd ever dreamed of doing because it's like the first time, basically since I started kindergarten, Mm -hmm. that I had nothing to do come August. Mm -hmm. And I just had eight months of completely unstructured time. So number one thing I did is travel. Number two thing I did was start my blog. Mm-hmm. So my blog, which is called Just a Coder Thing, I started an Instagram. I started a Twitter, which has definitely fallen by the wayside. I think the <laughs> only thing I tweet is like angry airline tweets, <laughs> like at Delta. <laughs> Why is my flight baggage taking so long to come off of the belt in Denver? Right? Like, I think that's what my Twitter essentially got used for. Uh-huh. Um, and then my Instagram is something that I got really into. And I also have a Facebook po- or a Facebook page. And then my website where I host all of my blog posts. Mm -hmm. I chose not to go with Medium because I believe in owning my own content. So every time you post on Instagram or Facebook, technically, like, yes, that is your content, but also, like, you are giving Instagram unlimited rights to, like, reuse it Mm -hmm. at any point. Like, you could see your photo on, like, your Instagram photo on an ad and they do not have to, like, tell you. Like, you're giving them that, that permission. So in terms of blogging, I wanted to host everything on my own site to make sure that, like, I controlled how it looked what ads I put on or if any on that page. That way you don't have like kind of these random things where YouTube was putting ads for like terrorist groups on some people's pages. Yeah. Like there are some really horrible things that have happened with like kind of the ad algorithms. Yeah. So I wanted to have full control, full full control of my, my content. Wow. This is getting really long. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I started my blog in July slash August of 2018, Mm -hmm. two years later now, I'm still at 2,000 followers. We can get into kind of more of the specifics of that. I think it takes so much time to build an authentic, organic following. Agreed. I also think, and this is kind of a separate note, I think it can be even more difficult if you don't fall into a certain look of person. Mm -hmm. Because I think even though we all post about tech, I've seen a lot of difference in follower counts between women who are of color versus not of color, and then different body types as well, Mm -hmm. which is awful. But I think Instagram is like a very visual community because it's based on photos. Yes. So it's less about what your captions are and more about the way you look or the photos, how like how the photos you post look. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So it's it's there's a lot of learning to do when you first get into this world. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people are also concerned, or at least I was concerned about putting my face on my Instagram because it's quite a public thing. You know, a lot of people don't share their last name, but my last name is part of my web design business. So it's just, you know, naturally in there. So I don't really mind about that. But yeah, it's only really recently that I've started sharing my face in my photos. And that's because after I talked with my sister, um, we we were talking about how important it is to own your brand because yeah. she was saying that there's always going to be photos of you out there, you know, on the internet somewhere, but it's important that you can claim those and, you know, send across the brand image kind of that you want to get across. Yeah, I think that's super important. So mm-hmm. do you want to talk about when you started your blog and Instagram. Yeah, so I started it in I think it was March of 2017, I want to say. Um and I started it more of like a study gram because I was in university and I needed some inspiration and I really loved going on those like study Instagrams and seeing all the note oh, yeah. time lapses and I things love like those. that. Yeah, it makes you feel really inspired. Anyway, so I started that um but 
yeah, I think it was about six months later that I actually started blogging about um, how to get a spring week, how to get an internship and things like that. And then just recently, now that I've graduated, I've had so much free time. (laughs) So I've been blogging like every week almost. I put out a new blog post and yeah, I just, I love it. I love writing um, and it's a good way to keep track of things that I've accomplished, you know, progress that I've made on some projects that I'm doing. Um, But I think for a while, it it also, um, it took me a while to get used to Instagram. The captions, writing captions is so difficult. Mm -hmm. It takes up so much time. You have to put in like emojis and think of the hashtags you're using. Oh yeah. Hashtags are a whole other thing. It's a lot of work. Even then, sometimes you think you have the best caption. Like you're so happy with it. The hashtags are great. You think the photo is great and the photo doesn't do well, you know? I think that also, because you're pretty much at the mercy of the algorithm mm-hmm. the algorithm like. I know and we all don't really know what it does and like yeah. you just kind of guess people say like videos uh get pushed to the top and things like that yeah but, but who really knows you know it's just like Instagram's algorithm with a capital A <laughs> true also a very shameless shout out plug um Ashley's Instagram which is ash codes A-S-H- H codes. Yeah. Um, she has some awesome time lapses Thank you. from her study days back at university. I mean, they're mesmerizing to watch because you, it's how long over, how, how long of a span did you take them? It was probably like 20 minutes to be honest. It was quite wow. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But you can see her taking notes, like going from code IDE to Google and back and forth, you know, writing things down in her notebook. Like you kind of see the whole cycle of what she's doing as she goes through revisions for exams and just taking notes and studying for classes Mm -hmm. and how much effort goes into it. And it's just like you're transfixed. (laughs) Like I loved watching them. And sometimes she'll put like candles in the background or Uh things of that nature. Mm -hmm. It is awesome. Like it's really so cool. So definitely go check that out. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to talk about the learning curve for becoming a quote-unquote influencer, Yeah. the number of things that are different between using Instagram to share photos with your friends and then using Instagram to try and build a brand and a following and become a quote-unquote influencer. Mm-hmm. So, like, what was one of the hardest or what was one of the most shocking things that you found when you first made your foray into this influencer industry? How long it takes to get followers. It really is such a slow growth. Um, yeah. I think that once you hit around like 800 that area then it starts growing quite a bit quicker like I jumped yeah. from 800 to a thousand and then now to like a thousand one hundred quite fast but it took the longest time to get there and honestly I also have a little bit of a problem with like it's so it's so difficult like you said to make an organic following um but I really try hard to follow people that you know, I find inspiring and trying to follow a diverse set of people, especially, um, recently it's been, there's been a lot of influence on diversifying your, your feed, which I think is so important because it's true. I was following a, like quite a few Latinx women, but I wasn't following a lot of black women. So then there was, like Kaylee said, this post went around of like 200 black women in tech to follow. And so I went through and I followed a ton of people and it is, it's so important because you get such different perspectives. Um, but yeah, I think it's, like you said, it's hard to grow organic following. Yeah, I think, so I think my first thousand was also the hardest. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there are so many things that I didn't know about, like the Instagram algorithm, like what time of day to post, how important that is, which hashtags you use getting shadow banned, which is where you reuse too many of the same hashtags. So Instagram removes you from like the top post page and like removes you from being found in like their discover 
section of the app. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like crazy to me. I think the reason they did that is because they don't want uh, spam bot posters that'll mm-hmm. just like reuse the same hashtags over and over. So it's like supposed to cut down on that. But if let's, I mean, I run a women in tech Instagram account. If I use like too many women in tech related hashtags in three successive posts, I could get shadow banned from all those hashtags, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And Instagram also doesn't tell you when that happens. So yes. for the longest time, I just use the same hashtags because it's so much work going through yes. and making new hashtags. Agreed. You know? And you also want to find ones that aren't too large. So they can't have like millions of posts because if they do, then yours will probably get drowned out. Mm -hmm. But then they also can't have like a hundred because nobody's probably following those hashtags. Mm -hmm. So you need to find like that middle ground, which is super difficult to do. Agreed. Um, I think also for me, it's the consistency that I completely underestimated. Producing content weekly even is oh my gosh, so hard. Yeah, (laughs) that's why a lot of people, and I know you did this as well, where you take photos all at the same time and then you plan posts. But honestly, I just have never been able to do that because I, I don't know, it's really important to me to have or talk about what's going on right now like in this moment right and that's how I like to use Instagram as as like like a scrapbook type of thing you know so yeah I always I always just take pictures or time lapses of what I'm doing right now in the moment um yeah yeah I noticed that my so my engagement like people being able to find my account and things like that definitely improved when I was posting consistently Mm -hmm. so when I was posting like every week on a Wednesday for example okay um and I've also noticed that like for even YouTubers that I follow like I really look forward to those whenever they drop those new videos and it's definitely something that like makes you trust a person is like when they commit to posting regularly and then they follow through on that yeah so I I definitely understand it but also like having worked full-time like, I think it wasn't so difficult when I was out of school, but it was when yeah. I started my full-time job. And I was actually so excited because I was like, this is going to be my chance to really showcase what it's like to be working at, as a software engineer at this finance company in Manhattan. Like, that's so cool, mm-hmm. right? And I was excited to, like, be able to share all of these things, but it is so difficult because I was even experimenting and let's say my peak engagement time was like Wednesday at 11 a.m. If I posted Wednesday at 3 p.m., I would get maybe half the engagement compared to when I posted at Wednesday at 11 a.m. Yeah. And it's true that you can use apps to kind of help with, like, the auto-posting, but they're, none of them are very easy to use, from mm-hmm. my experience. And also, like, I think there's something to be said about, like, going through and, like, posting it live, kind of like you said, in the moment. Yeah. Even though I did a lot of batch taking of photos, mm-hmm. like, I would always make my captions that week. Mm-hmm. Like, I would never make my captions something, like, completely irrelevant or generic yeah um even if I had ideas of like themes that I wanted to discuss week to week Mm -hmm. and that just requires so much work like I never realized how much effort it takes to produce content on a schedule Mm -hmm. I agree it's a lot and I think it's also I there are so many women in tech Instagrammers out there who create content that is um like it's a learning resource and I can't even imagine how much more work goes oh into gosh, that I know. because I'm just talking about my everyday life. Yes. Like I talk about, I'm taking an Adobe illustrator course right now, talking about graphic design, you know, web design projects I'm working on. But imagine if you have to go through, I mean, I guess it's different if you're learning something in the moment, like I'm planning to do a blog post about Adobe illustrator. So if you're learning it in the moment, then I guess it's easier to make content about it. But imagine having to learn something new just so you can post it on your on your blog or your Instagram. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I think also it's about curating a story of an online persona mm-hmm. that you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that's bad because I think yeah. there should be like more 
pri- like people have a right to privacy, right? So 100%. you don't always expect everyone to share a hundred percent of what happens to them. Mm-hmm. And I also think that like, if your whole purpose is to educate women in tech about women in tech centric issues, that is like what I do. And on my account specifically focuses on career. Mm-hmm. So I like to talk a lot about like advice for handling feedback or how to go through review season, how to negotiate Right. Different things like that that I think will help other women. Mm -hmm. And I don't really post like about my personal life or my relationship. And I Mm -hmm. think that's completely fine because like to me, that's kind of the 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 line that I draw. Mm -hmm. So it's also difficult when you're thinking about curating this idea of your online persona, but then Mm -hmm. also bringing your authentic self to it because Mm -hmm. it's really hard to do both at the same time. Yeah. So now switching gears a little bit, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about making money. Because people have this idea that all these Instagram influencers are making loads and loads of money. Which is not true. Which is <laughs> not true. I mean, it's it's not not true because I think there are a lot of people who have found a really great way to monetize Instagram. But what has your experience been with monetizing the influencer aspect of your business? Okay, so for blogging, I don't make any money off of blogging. And I also don't make any money doing ads through Instagram or brand deals or things like that. But I do have a women in tech uh, Etsy shop. And I definitely know that some people that follow me have ordered. So I make women in tech mugs and pouches at the moment. They're awesome. (laughs) Plug. Um, But yeah, so I definitely know that people that I follow and who follow me back have ordered mugs and pouches from my Etsy shop. So, but also over a whole year, it's a very small amount of money that I'm actually making. Um, It's more about the process. I really love, you know, designing these mugs and and the pouch designs, the women in tech merch. And yeah, it makes me feel really inspired when, because I have my mugs, I've ordered them as samples. um, And it makes me inspired every time I look at it. um, Makes me feel like I can do it and stay in tech. And that was cheesy. Have you? <laughs> I love it though. No, because I think I think that's such a good point though, because it's really hard to find that kind of merch. So, there is like no merch it, out there for women in tech. Yeah, first of all, <laughs> or just tech merch in general is like green, like that neon green and black for terminal, and there's yeah. nothing pink. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, that's a stereotype, but like, I actually love pink and purple. Like, I know, me too. Just, what about just some pretty colors? Like, get some pastels. We get some blues and green project ideas. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I think it is, it's like, it's part of feeling like you belong in an industry is being able to like buy that kind of merch, which Mm -hmm. y'all check it out. (laughs) Studio by Ashley on Etsy. Um, Um, But yeah, so that's one way that I have made money through Instagram. Um, But like I said, it's quite small year over year. I did have this one time where I got a huge order from a woman who is ordering these as presents for her team which I thought was so cool I was so happy about that but yeah she ordered like a ton of pouches for her whole team and that was amazing but yeah um there's also like drop shipping and all these other things the costs that go into it so like I said it's it's a small amount of money but I I like doing it and it's kind of like a passive income not really because I design that work but it is kind of passive income what about your web design business have you found any clients who have said that they found you through your social media presence? So nobody has said that, but also I don't 100% link my web design business with my Instagram, not because any particular reason. I think I just haven't done it, you know, very vocally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no one has told me specifically that they have come through from my blog or from my Instagram, but I guess it's possible, but I don't, I don't think so. So for me, I don't well so I have done one to date I've done one deal for Instagram so I was gifted a free standing desk 
in exchange for an Instagram post. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like the first influencer kind of deal that I'd ever done. I had to, you know, kind of like go back on the contract. I definitely negotiated that deal to make sure that it was worth my time to um, participate in that. But for everything else that I post on Instagram, even all my blog posts, like I don't make money from it. I did for a little bit in time. I think I still have some Amazon affiliate links on my blog. So that's where if you click on my link and buy something, I get a very small commission at like no additional fee. I think something. it's, yeah, yeah, two or one to two percent, depending mm-hmm. on the item. Yeah. And I did that for a lot of the books that I was recommending and things of that nature. Um, but even then, I've, I think I had 10, I made $10 through that. Yeah. That's over two years. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, it just goes to show, it's really hard to monetize these kinds of things without running ads or, mm-hmm. so, or something like that. Yeah. Um, or, you know, making, building brand partnerships with like some of the bigger companies which yeah. first of all is really hard to do when you're like a niche influencer and when you're small when you're small yeah and second of all like you don't just want to take every single offer that because like I've definitely had a lot of deals offered to me mm-hmm. but I don't take them because they don't they're not a good fit yeah like I'll get offered to like you know take a commission of like jewelry sales and I'm like but I don't do anything related to fashion or jewelry yeah, like that okay. doesn't it's not a good fit for me mm-hmm. um I also think for me, at least, Instagram is a great way to build my brand, but it's a terrible way to convert over to my blog, mm-hmm. which is where I feel like the majority of my content is. Yeah. Conversion rates through Instagram, if you have less than 10K followers, which means you don't have that click to swipe up or click to open the link. If somebody has to like go to your bio and click on a link to get to your content, they don't do it. They don't do it. And That's you like have to have 10K. Clicks. Yeah. You have to have 10K followers to have that swipe up. Yes. The read more button. And exactly. I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is another thing when we're talking about Instagram, it's about people don't have the patience or like they don't, yeah, they don't have the patience or the want to follow through yeah. all these different steps to finally get to a blog post. Like if someone says link in bio, then you have to like click on their profile, like you said, go to their bio and all this stuff. And some people just don't. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Like, do you really want to go through all those steps for every single person who says link in bio? Like, yeah, although I will say the number of people from Instagram who have taken the time to listen to this podcast has been so flooring to yeah, me. Yeah, shout the out number to everyone of people <laughs> who have like direct messaged me and like we neither of us have 10k followers, so it has been a purely like link in bio kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Like we know those extra four clicks, that is a monumental drop off of people that are like committed to actually following through. So like first of all, thank you to you all. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to everyone who like found us through Instagram and actually clicked on the link in our bio. Like we love you, thank you. Um, Hopefully what we're talking about is helpful for you to kind of know behind the scenes what goes on for this influencer life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think because, yeah, you're right. Like it's, I think also it's hard not having a certain number of followers when you're trying to build followers to Mm -hmm. get to that point where you can share the content. But I also want to talk very briefly about how Instagram doesn't do verified profiles and how harmful that is, especially to niche content creators in protecting their work. Mm -hmm. So I've had somebody create like a fake account stealing my photos and pretending to be me mm-hmm. but it was like a completely fake account they like stole all my photos and then they liked one of my photos where the profile picture was my own profile picture which mm-hmm. is how I found out about them yeah but Instagram does not currently have a way for me to go and get verified as my brand as mm-hmm. like the owner of my brand mm-hmm. so we've seen these horrible things happen where people with thousands of followers have their accounts deactivated because somebody else reported them as being like the fake account and then they have to like find somebody who works at Instagram to like hear out their case and it takes months to get their accounts reinstated so messed up which those are people who like produce content on Instagram and kind of make it like a place that 
other people want to spend their time on is a social media platform. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to me that Instagram offers very few protections for content creators. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think if you're using it among friends and family, I mean, I guess it's possible someone could still steal your photos and pretend to be you, right? Yeah. But as a content creator, like, your value is your content. So it's crazy to me that these companies just allow for people to do that. And I know with big accounts, they get it all the time, like maybe every week or something like that. And people will even accidentally like tag them in the post, the fake accounts or whatever, which is so... Oh, if you put your username in the caption, Uh they'll steal the whole caption and then you get a notification. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do think it's a little ridiculous, but I don't think Instagram does any verifieds anymore, do they? I don't think so. Yeah. And I don't think Twitter does either. Just would they do verification still? I think they do, but I'm not entirely sure. I've spent a lot more, I've invested a lot more time in building an Instagram Mm -hmm. following than um, some of the other social media platforms. Yeah. Um, So another thing that I wanted to talk about is working full time and then running this as a quote unquote side hustle. Because I did mention before about how taxing I found this to be when I first started working. Mm -hmm. Still is the case. (laughs) Nothing's changed, Mm -hmm. even though we're in quarantine. Um. So for me, working in finance, finance is a very heavily regulated industry, which means that I basically have to clear every single brand contract and everything that I want to do for monetary gain through my company. Even when I first joined, the fact that I owned this blog and I owned my Instagram, I wasn't able to make any posts until I got this cleared through like my company and received approval, essentially, that I could blog about these topics. Um, and even then, it's a pretty fixed list, and anytime I want to add something or update... I have to go to them and get approval for it. So it's just a reminder that if you do work full-time at a very big company, um, especially I know government agencies, obviously there's a lot more scrutiny. Um, Finance industry is also really tough, but then that's not saying that other companies aren't. So if you're thinking of starting an influencer business, definitely get that cleared with your manager and ask about your company's policies because the last thing you want to do is like have this mess with your full-time job because... It is tricky because you're essentially building a brand and then by being an employee of a company, you could kind of be seen as also being like a spokesperson in a way. So Mm -hmm. you got to be really careful with what you're posting out there because as we all know, the internet is forever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I've never had that problem because I don't, I haven't started working yet, but yeah. Okay. So another thing that we wanted to talk about was burnout and being on social media too much. So I think that I've definitely experienced this at the beginning of quarantine because (laughs) I was really excited about posting new content and I felt like I was always on Instagram. So one way that I've dealt with it is by posting, but then not responding to comments right away. So I'll give it like a day and then I'll wake up the next morning and I will actually open up Instagram on my laptop, which That's I really a like. Way to do yeah. It. And then I'll just respond to all the comments at once. And it's, you know, it's not like I'm constantly checking my phone right after I post, trying to respond to everyone right there in the moment. Um, yeah. What about you? How have you dealt with it? Yeah. So I think for me, one of the things is that like, I feel like I've actually made a lot of great connections on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So as much as I'm excited about posting my own content, I'm really excited to also support the content of people that I follow. So I spend a lot of time looking through my feed, like commenting or resharing things that I find are really helpful. Like you mentioned before, there's a lot of women in the community that put out these phenomenal content slideshows, Mm -hmm. which are like just about educating someone on a topic or giving advice. And so I want to make sure that 
as much as I'm posting my own content that I'm also like amplifying other people's content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that a lot through my stories. So my stories, I'm actually pretty active on them. Yes. And um, with those things, it's a lot easier to be like going through people's stories and finding and stumbling across content that way. Like I don't just want to be the kind of person who like posts once a week, but then never shares on stories and never reshares other people's content because mm-hmm. like I'm trying to build like a community, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely part of a community. So I think it's tough because sometimes it's like the never-ending scroll where I can just get into the groove of like every time I sit down, I pull out Instagram and I'm like scrolling and I'm commenting on, on all of like these other influencers posts and like resharing their content. Um, so for me, I think it's about in Instagram now, I think you can set a timer which tells you about how many minutes you've used yep. on Instagram per day. So I set that to 20 minutes oh, wow. and it's, it's great because now it's like, I'll go in probably around lunchtime because I find that a lot of people post around lunchtime mm-hmm. and I'll spend like 10 minutes as a quick break. And then in the evenings after I get off work, I'll also mm-hmm. spend a couple of minutes, but I really try not to like wake up and get on Instagram or like get on Instagram and then go to bed. Mm-hmm. So by limiting the amount of time that you spend on it, I think it's really helpful in just checking your social media usage so that you can be present on social media without always being on social media. Mm-hmm. I think that's sense. definitely something I don't do. <laughs> I'm on Instagram before I go to bed and when I wake up. But yeah, I think it is important because otherwise you do deal with you know, this burnout because you're constantly on social media. You feel like you have to constantly be posting all this stuff. But yeah, I, I definitely check stories first and then I check post second, which I know Keely said you do opposite, right? You check posts first. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do tend to check posts first. Yeah. But also I don't follow a ton of people on social media, like mm-hmm. even through my influencer account. And I used to always look at like the, they would talk about the ratio, which is like the ratio of the number of people you follow versus the number of people that follow you. Oh, uh-huh. People always talked about that. And it's like, oh, you don't want to follow too many people or mm-hmm. something. I don't know. There used to be something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's just about following people whose content you really like that you yeah. see on your feed and it inspires you and energizes you or you can relate to it. And um, it's really important to make sure that you're curating your feed to not only, like you said, be super diverse and educate you on other people's perspectives, but that to also make sure that that's content that you're not going to ever be feel guilted or shamed by, because I think that's like the last thing that you should ever use social media for. Yeah, definitely. Use it for inspiration, but not to make you feel like, oh, I'm being so lazy because I'm not doing 10,000 things, because Mm -hmm. guess what? Everybody is lazy at times, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. what you put on social media is a tiny sliver of a person. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Now we're talking about like all social media is a lie. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it's, it's a fake. lie. Well, I mean, it kind, it kind of, of is. is. A lie. Yeah, it kind mm-hmm. of is a lie. But, but let's be real. It's because nobody wants to see like the raw, difficult moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people will just automatically show the the best moments, like the achievements and stuff like that. Which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think it is. Yeah, also important to acknowledge like the times when you have been working on a bug for like an hour and you are going crazy and, and it's like a typo yeah <laughs> it's a spelling mistake that you made you forgot yeah. you forgot one l yeah and your eyes just gloss over it or it's like the camel case and you didn't uppercase yeah. oh, the number of times <laughs> i have done that oh my gosh copy yeah. and paste is your friend for so many reasons agreed yeah um the funniest is when you see a typo copy and paste it all over code and you're like okay i know it's <laughs> like so, someone yeah. did not retype this a single time i know yeah. um but no you're you're right i think too that It's great to be vulnerable on social media, but you also have to remember that comes at a cost. A lot of people who take that step to be vulnerable get attacked for it. Mm -hmm. So it's also about protecting yourself Mm -hmm. because as much as you're doing all of this for yourself in a way Mm -hmm. and in your brand, it's also important to remember that you need to 
do what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And I also just really quickly want to touch on the fact that right now, I know that a lot of people who've been posting very vocally on their, you know, influencer pages have been attacked for what they're posting. Yeah. And I haven't personally had that, which I don't know what to attribute that to. Maybe just that I have really great followers. Um, or maybe people just, I don't know. I, I, I hope that it's just because I have really great followers, but I'm very vocal on my per, uh, my personal and my public Ashco's Instagram um, about, you know, what I believe in. But yeah, I think that's another part of it is that people who maybe have brand deals aren't even allowed yeah. post stuff like that so I think that's where some of the danger comes in of when you start doing brand deals how much of it is your content anymore and how much of it is you know controlled by, controlled by other people yeah 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 no I think that's that's a super good point and not just with a lot of what's happening with civil unrest and the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. or defund the police whatever it ends up being but yeah. then also even in regards to honestly I've seen very mild feminist content about how like women should be treated equal to men or that like women can code Mm -hmm. and that has been attacked completely attacked like people just post the nastiest things Mm -hmm. um and i think it's really important to remember that like okay yes an influencer profile is a small piece of of whole person's life right like there's i think it's impossible to completely capture someone's entire dimensional life on instagram i don't think that's possible personal personal personally (laughs) i don't think that's possible but then that being said like these are still real people who are behind these accounts um and so i think that goes both ways like number one to hold people accountable for what they post or Mm -hmm. don't post Mm -hmm. like when people are silent and they shouldn't be um but that also like when you're seeing those kinds of comments or when people are like being vulnerable and opening up like that's a person behind that at the end of the day yeah and so like back to the rule of thumb everything on the internet is forever and if you're not going to say it to someone's face you probably shouldn't say it at all and that mm-hmm. includes the whole online world yeah agreed. so being kind goes a very very long way mm-hmm. i do want to say that the women in tech community on instagram is one of the best it's the best like um community that i found for women in tech ever um at oh, my wow. yeah at my university like i definitely didn't have that yeah. feeling of like women in tech, I know a lot of women in the department were trying to assimilate into this male world, right. which I think a lot of people do. And I'm not, you know, shaming anyone for it because it's difficult. It's so hard yeah. to stand out. But anyways, I found like a real sense of community and support. And whenever I was doing new things or I accomplished something, people would comment that are my friends. I think they would, they're like my online friends now, you know? And yeah, I think you can't, discredit how important that is to have a strong supportive community of women yeah I'm so there with you I've been really impressed by how many relationships I've been able to make virtually and I was lucky enough to meet a lot of these people in person at Grace Hopper last year yeah it was so cool these are people that you talk to all the time Mm -hmm. and who I really felt like I had so much in common with and Mm -hmm. then you see them in person and you realize that you don't (laughs) never met them in person or like even funnier when people call you by your Instagram handle instead of your (laughs) real name it's like oh hi I'm just a coder thing (laughs) and you're like what is this world we're living in like it's so strange Mm -hmm. but you really can meet some incredible people I think the yeah I found the women in tech community on Instagram to be incredibly supportive like definitely check it out like even the women in tech hashtags I think you can find a lot of the women there are really there to uplift and amplify each other Mm -hmm. it's so supportive it's fantastic um obviously I think the whole community is trying to be as inclusive as possible and there's always work to be done like it's not perfect definitely nothing's ever perfect but mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's been really cool to see that piece of it too mm-hmm. to the genuine connections you can make 
through these like like i said these are real people like these aren't just fake <laughs> accounts like mm-hmm. these are these are very real people mm-hmm. yeah so i think that about wraps up today's episode thank you all for listening and we're going to be back next week with a new podcast episode on female voice assistance. Yes. We're really excited to talk to you all about this topic. And as per usual, if you have any suggestions um, or topic, suge- topic ideas, feel free to drop us a line over on Instagram at Sister Codes. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you.